we're so honoured to have Fount and Linda and Jeff with us this morning, and uh, we have really enjoyed this series that Fount's in on the glory of God. And I have a suspicion he's got nuggets in what he's going to share this morning that God has prepared specifically to touch your heart. Uh, so I want to encourage you, each of us individually, uniquely, uh, every one of us, listen for what God is speaking to you so you get a download of the glory of God this morning. So, uh, yeah, we, what, <laughs> would you, <laughs> we have a selection of, of obstacles for you here, sir. So <laughs> which, which obstacle would you like? Do <laughs> you want a tall one or a short one? Okay, there we go. This one's probably more secure. Welcome back. We love you. We're honored to have you. Let's give Found a big welcome. Open your phones to Colossians chapter 1. I'm going to focus on 19 for a moment, but I'm going to start reading in verse 15. He, that's Jesus Christ, is the image of the invisible God, firstborn of all creation. For by him all things were created in heaven and on earth visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers, uh, authorities, all things were created through him and for him. And he is before all things, and in him all things hold together. Uh, literally, I think that means they receive their place in the system, in him. And he is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning, the firstborn of the dead, that in everything he might be preeminent. Now, verse 19. For in him all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell. Now, just think for a moment how full would you be if you were filled with the fullness of God? All that God is dwelling in you. And the word fullness implies an overflow. And I think you can understand why. In him, the full, all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell and through him to reconcile to himself all things, not just people, whether on earth or in heaven, making peace by the blood of his cross. Holy Spirit, come, you are the teacher. I've been talking to you about the Shekinah glory, and I connect that with the kingdom of God. Now, both of those phrases 
can be just Christianese. And for, I think, the majority of people, that's all they are. They're just words we use to make people think we know something. But there's not one here, myself included, who really understands what this word Shekinah really means. I can say the word Shekinah glory, and everybody gets really impressed because I said it like I was religious. <laughs> that doesn't impress some people. <laughs> I know. And I can say kingdom of God. Now, if you use three syllables, it's even more. Kingdom of God. That really sounds like I know something. It means absolutely nothing. Nothing. Zero, niche, nope, zilch, all of those negative words. Jesus is himself the Shekinah. The Shekinah of glory is not a thing. It's a person. I've met him. He comes to me. I'll go to him. It's not a concept. It's a person. Jesus is himself the kingdom of God. It's not a concept. It's a person. Now we, our natural human nature, we want to define things. Definition. Here's what this means. And that's words about words about words. Where is the experience? Where's the reality? Where's the truth? Words beyond words. And I could go and play with words for a while. Our tendency is to try to master the meaning of the concept, but we must simply bow before the majesty and behold the glory. Now, when I use the word behold, I'm talking about an experience. An experience, actually, there may be three elements of an experience. I don't want to get into a teaching on that, but something happens. I can ignore that happening. I have no experience. It still happened, but I have no experience. This thing can happen. And I can experience that thing, and I can go away and say, oh, that was interesting. Or I can allow it to impact my life and change who I am. Okay. So uh, there's three things I want to deal with today. I really felt like the Lord put these three things on my heart for you guys here this morning. This is not something I've taught before. Number one, we're going to talk about the fact uh, that the kingdom and the Shekinah is not a thing to be defined. It is an event. It's a happening, which you either experience or you miss it. The Shekinah glory is here this morning. Some of you have been touched by it. Some of you ignored the touch. 
I'm assuming there are humans here. <laughs> I tell you, I've got, I've got so much here I want to share, but anyway, uh, an event when the presence of the person who is the Shekinah glory in the presence of the person who is the kingdom of God in person. When that encounters and transforms reality. And uh, that's the first thing that I point I want to make. The second is going to be uh, actually is going to focus on the happening. But the first thing is there's an encounter here. The kingdom of God happens between, and uh, it was interesting this morning that Rob, uh, where is Rob? He, there you are. Uh, he talked about the joint. And as he said that, I realized the joint is not this bone or that bone. The joint is what is between the bones. And so I'm going to talk about between for a little bit. And then we're going to go and talk about uh, the kingdom a little bit more, the kingdom uh, as a happening. And then I'm going to close with the third thing, which will be my own personal story to illustrate what these two concepts have to do with your life and my life and our life as a community. Okay. Now, hopefully this is not going to take a whole lot of time. Uh, the event happens whenever the presence of God comes and people respond. So there is a thing, I hate to call it a thing, but there is a joint between the two things that come together. There's one thing, kingdom of God, word of God that comes and then there is man who hears and either ignores or responds to the word. But there's something between them. And it's that between that I want to look at because when God's word comes, it is his love. And love is like the lubrication between the two bones. It allows it to be movable. See, if I love you, I let you be who you are. I don't try to control you. If I love you, I speak a word to you. If you receive that word, I rejoice. If you reject the word, I pray for you. That's assuming my word was from the Lord, which it is not always. Sorry about that. <laughs> course Pat no <laughs> no I know I know so in this account encounter between God coming in word in kingdom in Shekinah however you want to talk about uh, and our receiving or failing to receive there's love now if there is no love in me to respond to the love he's sending then the connection is never made and there is no joint. 
Now think about this. We, we read this in Colossians. He is the creator. He's the image of God in the flesh. And if you reject that, what you've rejected is the Shekinah glory, the kingdom of God, and a changed life for the good. Okay? So, let's go to uh, Ephesians chapter 3. And this is a prayer that Paul prayed, or it's in the prayer. We're not going to do the whole prayer. Verse 19, to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled with the fullness of God. So it's not just Jesus who can be filled with the fullness of God. It's you and me. You and me. And to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge. And I just want to play with that phrase for a minute. If it surpasses knowledge, how can I know it? It's beyond knowing. How do we get to know that which surpasses our ability to know? It sounds like this is an impossible thing, and it is. But if we think of the word knowledge in terms of uh, concepts, I have this idea, kingdom of God. I have this idea, word of God. I have this idea, uh, Shekinah glory. I have the idea, and I can use the words. Then I can never enter into the surpassing love of Christ, which goes way beyond knowledge. So how do I experience? How do I get that? And the word experience, I'm not out to understand the kingdom of God. I want to experience it coming to me. And it is a he. <clears throat> I'm not interested in understanding intellectually, conceptually, the Shekinah glory. I want it to impact me. I want it to show up, him to show up and change my life into something better than what I have here and now. Are you guys with me? Yes. You want that? Yes. Now you just admitted that you're not where you want to be. <laughs> I gotcha. <laughs> of course, you already knew that. Okay. The kingdom of God happened when the Holy Spirit falls and men respond. Now, for this, I want to go to Acts. Book of Acts. Matthew, Mark, Acts. Where's Acts? It's in the Bible somewhere. Oh, okay. There actually is this other verse I want to deal with first. No wonder. See, I've got everything marked so I don't have to turn, find it. 
So, Mark, actually. In Mark chapter 5, and this is the story of Jesus healing the woman with the issue of blood. And I want you to see this. Uh, verse 27, she had heard a report. Now, the word report there is the word rhema, and we've talked about that here before. Rhema is the present spoken word. But that word can be translated report. It can be translated testimony. Someone came and said, uh, hey, Judy. We're going to pretend her name was Judy from Judah. Hey, Judy. I was just at this place and remember my arm would look, look. She heard a testimony. And the word is plural. She had heard reports, plural. Someone else came, hey, Judy, I was over at this thing, and remember I used to have the lamp? Look, I'm walking without a lamp. What's happening? Rhema word is coming to her. And Paul says in uh, Romans chapter 10, verse 17, faith comes by hearing. And it's translated a word of Christ. But the word word there is rhema, again. So I want to translate that. Faith comes by hearing a testimony. And how many, many, many testimonies I have heard about people who were healed when they heard a testimony. Because the testimony is the rhema, word of God. And when the word of God comes, it does not return void. It accomplishes what it was sent for. This is a powerful word. It's a creative word. And we are here and there's an encounter. The word comes. I can ignore the testimony, although you know how those people are. Yeah, you know... Her, yeah, she's the one who always, yeah, we know how she is, and I can totally ignore what God's doing in her life because I'm blaming it on her personality or whatever. Is it making any sense? So the word comes, the testimony comes, and I reject it. There's no joint which connects the word to your life. And that's sad. She came and she, she said, if I just touch the hem of his garment, I will be made whole. And she touched it, and just like that, she was healed. The interesting thing about this particular miracle, Jesus did not do that. He felt power, and the word there is dunamis, dynamite. He felt power go forth from him. Something just left me, and it was the power of God. I felt it. Who touched me? And actually, they hadn't touched him. They had touched the hem of his garment. We could play with that, couldn't we? Oh, yeah. Okay, we're not going to.
what happened. There was a connection between the rhema word and her life because she did not merely hear, she acted on what she heard. Okay, and faith, you say, I cannot conjure up faith. Faith is not my work. Faith happens. Faith happens when the word comes and you receive it. You can reject it. You can mock it. You can even crucify it because Jesus was the word of God. You can do whatever you want with the word, but if you receive it and act on it, two things, receive it and act on it, then there's the connection and the love is between you and you love him and he loves you and you enter into that vicious, not so vicious cycle, that joyous a cycle of he loves me and I love him and we love one another and this is so loving and so lovable. What a way to live. So the power of God and faith must be held together in the joint that's between the power of God and the word of God. There must be a response of man to that word. And there's a word being spoken here today. It's not the word I'm speaking. Each one of you are hearing something different from him as I speak. It's up to you what you do with it. Okay. Now the book of Acts. Chapter 1. Jesus speaking to the disciples after his resurrection, before he is ascended, uh, they ask him, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? They were expecting him to establish the throne of David and kick the Romans out, you know. And he came to bring the Romans in, so there's a little conflict here in the idea of what happened, which means they didn't get it yet. And we could play with that for a while. Lord, will you at this time? And he said, uh, it's not for you to know the times and the season. Why do people make so much effort to know the time and the season when he said it's not up to you to know? I don't know. They love doing it, so it makes them look good until the thing doesn't happen. Okay, verse 8. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, end of the earth. I want to say something about witness. If you're called as a witness into a court scene and you say, well, I heard that brother, what's his name said, that is not admissible. The only testimony that is accessible, that is acceptable, is what you have personally seen and what you have personally heard. Mm 
what you have personally experienced. Well, the preacher told me that blank, 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 and what he told you may be true, but that is not your testimony. That's his testimony. Well, the Bible says, yeah, it does, but that's the Bible's testimony. Your testimony is only related to what you have personally seen, heard, received, and responded to. Does that make some sense? So you will be my witnesses does not mean you're going to go and quote witness. That's the way we use it in our language today. You're not witnessing, you're testifying. And there's a big difference. You will be my witnesses means you are going to see me move in the earth. And when you see me, you're going to tell people that's testifying. Okay, I think that point is clear. Let's get to the next one. I can only testify to what I have personally witnessed and so forth. Now, here's my story, and we're going to close with my story, which only takes an hour and a half. <laughs> I think I've shared this story with you guys before, but in 1957, I was in the Air Force backsliding doing all the stuff that Christians shouldn't do and condemning myself. He wasn't condemning me, I was condemning myself. And simply, I was in the barrack. He came into the room. The only way I can explain it is liquid love. His love filled the room. It was so real that I literally put up my arms to embrace him whom my soul loves. Now, I had not been loving on him. In fact, I had been running away from him because I had this weird idea about he's not really as good as they say he is. He's really this hard taskmaster that wants to make me do everything that I don't want to do, and he refuses to let me do these things I really want to do. I had this totally false concept. So he came to me, and what happened? What happened? He came, he loved, I loved in return. My life changed. I immediately stopped backsliding, I'll put it that way, makes sense. I had been smoking two packs of cigarettes a day. I left the pack, uh, my roommate eventually smoked it up, I never bought another pack, haven't smoked a cigarette since, I don't want one. Now I had tried to quit smoking many times. I can remember three by five card in my pocket. And up at the top, there's this good thing and this uh, commitment, I'm not gonna smoke another cigarette. And I had stairways down uh, and at the bottom is hell. Each time I smoke a cigarette, I'm getting closer to hell. Now that's the way I was raised. I mean, that's the church I grew up in. And so I did real good for a week. 
a friend offered me a drag on his weed. I took it and I was very faithful. I marked an X on the step on the way down. <laughs> I had committed myself. And two or three cigarettes later, I realized where this is going. <laughs> and I did the only wise thing. I threw the card away. <laughs> I know why you're laughing. Oh, yeah. Okay, and here's the point. My life was transformed by a happening which I allowed to change my life. You see how the two things are connected. Now, in uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 3, Matthew, Mark, 2 Corinthians. Got it right here. Okay. It says in verse 17, now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. Where is freedom? Freedom is where the Spirit of the Lord is. So the Spirit of the Lord comes. I don't let him come in. He is not in this where. He's in that other where. <laughs> Where the Spirit of the Lord is there freedom. So the Holy Spirit comes with that Holy Spirit. Power to overcome comes with the Holy Spirit. Okay. Now the next thing I want to notice, where the Spirit of the Lord is there is freedom. This transforms the way you see life. It responds the way, uh, changes the way you uh, respond to life. Isaiah, let's see, one other story before we go there. I've got to keep my notes right here. When, uh, before all of that, when I was eight years old, nine years old, okay. When I was nine years old, I was lying on the lawn at night uh, in the high plains where there's no street lights and the stars you can see, the skies are clear, and I could even, I could have counted the stars in the Milky Way. It's like I could see it very clearly. And I was thinking, what if those stars are nail holes in the floor of heaven? That's a little boy thinking. But with that thought, I got in my little spaceship, imaginatively, and as a nine-year-old boy, I went up to peek through the hole in the floor of heaven to see what I could see. And there was a big eyeball looking back at me. <laughs> now, with my training, religious training, that scared me silly. I walked away. There was a happening. I walked away from it. Did you get that? But now, in 1957, in Japan, the thing happened, and I received it. Okay. Now, 
And a little bit later, Isaiah, Matthew, Mark, Isaiah. Where's Isaiah? It's over there in the Bible somewhere. Okay. Chapter 6. Almost done. I saw the Lord sitting on the throne, high and lifted up. The robe filled the temple. We all know this. Holy, 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 the angels are crying. And the foundation of the threshold shook at the voice of him who called, and the house was filled with smoke. I said, woe is me. Now, what I want to notice here is Isaiah saw something, but in seeing it, he saw himself being seen in his iniquity. Now, he could have done like I did with the star nail holes and just walked away in fear, but he did not. He cried out, Woe is me, a man of unclean lips. I dwell among a people of unclean lips. And the Lord came, sent a minister with a coal of fire, purged his lips, and who can I send? He heard the Lord asking a question. Who can I send? Send me, send me. He is responding to the vision. And the Lord said, okay, here's what I want you to go do. Go tell the people, blah, blah, and you can read that and study it out. So he saw the Lord and realized he was being seen with unclean lips, but in that same experience, he was cleansed of his unclean lips and purified for service, and then he was called and he responded. Now, as I look at my own testimony, he came to me, I responded, I had no idea what that was all about in 1957. But I knew I am going to be a teacher of the Word of God. I knew that. I knew it in my knower. Now, he didn't speak a word to me about that. It's just something I knew and began to pursue, preparing myself to teach his Word. So that happened. And uh, now, here, here's the final story. 1972. Now, by this time, uh, I already have my degrees, and I'm teaching Bible uh, on a uh, campus, a college campus, <clears throat> and it's 1970, 71, 72, which is known as the Radical Jesus Movement. I mean, they were coming to Jesus, and they were coming to Jesus with serious problems and getting set free as they came. I got 129 stories to tell about those days. They were hearing from God, even without a preacher sometimes, and just coming to the water and then wanting to be baptized, and people were baptizing and so forth. Okay, so I'm teaching and I still have my religious hang-ups. I still have my legalism. And they're in my class, and uh, they're getting filled with the Spirit in my class. <laughs> Who do they think they are? Because <laughs> I didn't even believe in that. 
And I found out later they in the dormitories they were casting demons out of one another and the demons were leaving. Now this is a state university campus, which, wow, yeah. And they were speaking in tongues. Now that's the big one. Because everyone knows speaking in the tongues ceased. Therefore, it must be of the devil. I had actually taught that. Oh, God forgive. He did. Okay. So all of that started happening. And I resisted it. I resisted. It started happening in 1970, 1971. I think it was in 1972 in the spring that this is beginning to happen to me. And I'm fighting it. And I see good things happening in the lives of the people who are receiving this. I had one girl who took my class on the book of Acts and I required a paper and I said, just let me know what you're gonna write your paper about and I'll approve it. And she came, I wanna write a paper on the speaking in tongues. Now my first thought was, what can you say? There's nothing there. I mean, the only thing that's there is they did that once upon a time, and that's gone. But okay, you can write your paper on that, and I will grade it. <laughs> she wrote that paper, and at the end of the semester, she came into my office with the paper, and she said, I want to share with you. And she began to testify. And I saw something in her eyes a brightness, a gleam. And I heard a spring in her voice that reminded me of Liquid Love, 1957. And so I started study, study, study. I thought I had to figure this out. I tried my best intellectually to receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit. It was not working. Okay. Finally one night, Linda's already in bed, and I'm reading a book, and in the book, he's reporting miracles. Because I'm trying to find this thing and figure it out. This miracle happened, that miracle happened, and in my heart, I was discounting all of this. Well, you know, Everyone understands that just whatever. I had an excuse for all of it. And as I'm reading, there's a certain point in the book when suddenly, like the rush of a mighty wind, Jesus was right there in the room with me. I don't mean play like. The first time he came as liquid love. This time he's here as Lord. And he said these words to me. Found. And I'm going to try to reproduce his tone of voice so you'll get the point. Found. You haven't been believing me, have you? There was no condemnation. There's no reproof. Just, I want you to know that I see. And suddenly I saw myself. 
I began to weep and sob. For probably a half an hour, I wept and I wept and I wept and I sobbed and I was saying, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. The thing is, at that point, I didn't even know what I was saying I'm sorry for. Something had happened so deep in me, I was not consciously aware of what was going on, but I knew, I know now, it was my spirit responding rather than my psyche, my mind, my intellect responding. And that changed my life again, radically again. Because there was a connection, there was something come forth that was received and acted upon. So here's the challenge that I want to leave you with. See, I can only point by telling my story. You must look. and allow yourself to be looked at by the one that I'm pointing to. Allow yourself to be seen because when he sees you, he's not going to condemn you. He's going to save you. He's going to pull you out of the pit that you're in. And some of us are in pits and don't even know it. I've been there, and I didn't know I was in pit until he delivered me from it. Does that make sense to any of you? Suddenly, I, hey, I've been in a pit. I can remember one time, I think it was even Jeffrey. Um, I was depressed. I didn't even know I was depressed, but I was depressed. And Jeffrey came into the room. He was probably 12, 14 at that time. And he just came over and sat down in my lap and gave me a hug. And I began to weep. I don't know if you remember that or not. I began to weep like a baby. Inside. I didn't want him to know I was weeping. But that hug set me free. I didn't even know I was depressed until he sat down and hugged me. And I came out of the pit and realized I've been in a pit, but I'm not there anymore. So here's the challenge. When the word comes, respond. Faith comes. Faith does not bring the word. Faith comes as a response to the word. Come, Lord Jesus. Come, Lord Jesus. Come. take a moment just going to ask Ira to play very gently and only you know what the word is to you well you and God <laughs> but we're going to just give it a moment for you to say yes and to allow that word to come and do his work
see all of you.
so don't stop Father. This time we'll stop, but you won't. Keep doing it. As I drive, as I sit at home, as I talk to friends, as I meet family, as I go about my business, let me meet you at every turn and keep saying yes to you and then testifying to what I experience as I do. says yes.